Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else. We're back with interviews, all right? As you know, So What Else is a story-based podcast. So today we have Molly Stillman. You probably know her online as Still Being Molly. She's awesome. I was really excited to get to interview her. And this conversation goes everywhere. I mean, we talk about her podcast. We talk about her book that's coming out, her memoir that's coming out next year. She also lives on a farm, her and her husband. It's very cool. Listen, if you're a vegan or something, just keep an open mind. I love the stuff that Molly talks about, about how we should be more connected to our food. And it was just very fascinating to me. And then we also get into a conversation about grief. Molly lost her mom when she was young and her mom was a remarkable person. So, so interesting. And a trigger warning for everyone. We do also talk about pregnancy loss. Molly lost two pregnancies and we talk about that and her journey through grief and what she's learned. There's just so many facets to this conversation. I absolutely love talking to her and I know you're going to love hearing from her. So stay tuned. Molly, welcome to So What Else. Hi, thanks for having me. This is so fun. This is my first interview back after the baby. I know. Well, okay, so you reached, this was so funny. You reached out to me a while ago and then I admittedly was uh, in a sea of emails and was really bad at replying. And it's okay. I'm good at a lot of things. Email is not one of them. So No, but you weren't bad at replying because I think I got an auto response that was like, I'm in the middle of writing a book. Like, I will get to you I when like, I get to you. Yeah. I So actually, it was a friend and mentor who told me to do that because I was it like... It was smart. Yeah. She was like, just put an auto response out. Totally. Um, and a friend of mine was like, nice yeah, auto-responding flex. And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> no. Like, I I'm just telling you. I'm genuinely really bad. And so I wanted people to think I'm not like... A, I, I didn't want people to think I'm normal. Anyway... So then you replied and you were like, yeah, well, I just had a baby, but we could chat this week. And I was like, no, you just had a baby. (laughs) You were like, you just had a baby. Why don't we wait? And I was like, yeah, maybe we should wait. (laughs) You're so funny. Anyway, so I just thought that was hilarious because I was like, wait, you just had a baby? Okay. (laughs) I was like, I was fooling myself for a little while, you know? So basically I thought, the whole time I was pregnant, I was planning on getting really ahead oh, yeah. and having a ton of interviews done. And then I wouldn't even skip a beat when I had the baby. Well, the last, I would say six weeks of my pregnancy w- were a dumpster fire. I basically slipped a rib out of place <gasps> and it was the war. It was, I, I don't even like to think about it. It was, I was crying out in pain. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. So like I basically died for those six weeks. You know what I mean? And so I wasn't even staying on top of the podcast at all. And then after I was like, oh, my husband has time off. I'll totally be able to use like, I'll, I'll do interviews while he's on paternity leave. Yeah. LOL. Like, I don't know. It's like, I never, it's my third baby. You would think I would know right now, Mm -hmm. by now. Like, yeah. But I don't, obviously. And then delusional. It's cool. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like I was like, it'll be so literally, we were like, Scott, you have so much time off. I'll get ahead on the podcast. We could do house projects. It was literally like that is three weeks in. Uh, Literally. It's we were like staring at each other, like we didn't even do the laundry, let alone these extracurricular yeah. ideas. You're not going to be refinishing any cabinets at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're such idiots. Like we'll never learn. Yeah. 
No, it's cool. We'll never learn. Oh my goodness. But this is very exciting to be like back on the horse. Yeah. You and got I'm this. using a new platform. Yeah. So recording it's new, platform. It's a new day. Exactly. So this is exactly, this is all new. <laughs> First interview back, new recording platform. I love it. Yeah. So listen, the whole reason I reached out to you to come on this podcast in the first place, I stumbled upon your Instagram. Someone I follow must have reposted you something. And I was so intrigued by how clever you are. I was like, okay, so her Molly, her her name is Molly Stillman and her handle is still being Molly. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, love that. And then when I saw the title of your podcast, Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? And then I saw you were writing a book that you said is tentatively titled for laughing out loud. Yeah, but that's that's not the title anymore. But I don't oh. know if I can re- if I can tell you okay, what the okay, title don't is say. yet. I won't. Yeah, it'll be uh I, I don't know when this is going to air, but it'll in June probably. We'll um know. we'll know or I'll be able to share it. So, I love that. Yeah. But I genuinely was like, can I laugh on your shoulder? That's I wish I could steal that. Like I was like I love the title of my podcast, so what else? That's great. But can I laugh on your shoulder is better. <laughs> like well, I was like, it's funny because so many props. it was a title that, um, so that was, that was, it's a new title because I rebranded I it. Yeah. So yes. I, I had, I've had the podcast for almost seven years. Mm. Um, and it was under a different name, uh, business with purpose for the first six and a half years. And then, wow. uh, it's a long story of how I got there, but I, uh, I knew it was time to rebrand and, Funny enough, uh, the Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder was actually the first working title I had for my book. Um, And I really loved that title, um, but eventually landed on another working title of For Laughing Out Loud, even though I knew. I was like, I don't think this is the title. This is just what I'm going to slap on the manuscript. (laughs) We'll we'll go from there. And then uh, the title for my book uh, that is coming out next year... um, so I, cause I struggle with titling things or naming things. Um, oh, that's not children, for me. not children, but titling <laughs> Ch- yeah. my kids' names I had picked out. We were good. Sure. Um, but for some reason I had a really hard time naming and titling my book. Like I just, I, I didn't know what I wanted to, to title it. I, none of it. And, uh, so when I turned in the manuscript with the working title, I was like, I don't love this title. Like this isn't it. I just know it's not. And I woke up at three in the morning, like, I don't know, maybe a month ago, month and a half ago. And I was like, I think I have the title. Like it just, it woke up, it woke me up and I sent it to my editor and she was like, I really like that. And, um, I was like, I do too. And so it, it got in the running and then it's an interesting process, like how all of this works. Cause basically they want to like the, I don't know how interesting this is, how interesting this is to people, but you know, when you are writing a book and then especially with titles and stuff, like the marketing team needs to approve it and sales team yeah. needs to approve it because it's, there's so many factors that go into this mm-hmm. that I just had never considered. Anyway, so she brought up the title. She, you know, presented a couple of different ones and the one that I had come up with um, and unanimously, everybody was like, that's it. Um, so I was like, okay, well, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how you know it's a good one. Yeah. Everyone was unanimous about it. Yeah. Yeah. So are you excited? When does the book, so the book comes out next year? Yeah. So I do have a release date and I think, I think I can share it. It's March 26th of 2024. So, and, uh, like I said, I don't know when this comes out, but, um, 
the book should should be available like online to pre-order in like June. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's why like I, I'm not sure if I can share the title yet because once I release like the cover and all sure, of that, yeah. um, that'll be all. All right. So once. here's what we'll do. Yes. I'm gonna be honest with you and all the people right now. I don't know when I'm airing this either. It's fine. <laughs> it will it'll be either May or June. So, so if this comes out in June, just h- holla at me and I'll exactly uh, I'll let you know. And um, we, well, can, exactly. we can I can insert like a little <laughs> We'll, we'll put links and things. Yeah, yeah, so it'll yeah. be fine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love so I, that. I am. I'm so excited. I'm nervous, um, but I'm really, really excited. Now, it's a memoir? Yes, it is. It is. That is amazing. I'm excited. I'm going to pre-order Thank because you. I Please. think that you're entertaining and interesting to listen to. You're very easy to listen to. Thank you. I like all of your Instagram posts. Thank you. You have a nice way about you. And you were a comedian. Yes, I was. I was. Which is not stand-up though. Not stand-up though. It's it's funny because when people find out that I used to do comedy, they're like, oh, tell us a joke. And I'm yeah. like, no, it's not. <laughs> knock, knock. Not what it was. Um, <laughs> I did try stand-up and I was like, this is not my, I didn't like stand-up. Um, I mean, I could do it, but it wasn't, wasn't my style. I was, um, so I started out doing sketch comedy Okay. Because my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. That was what I wanted to do. And so I did sketch comedy for uh, years, years and years. Um, And then got into the improv world, into the improvisational comedy world. That's hard. I loved improv. Improv was my... Improv was my bread and butter. And honestly, improv was where a lot of my sketch ideas came from. Because what I would do is after shows, I would go and I would write down scenes that we did in improv and then figure out how to... Um, turn those into sketches. And so I, um, but improv, I just loved because there was this, there's a, there's an adrenaline rush with it. And I've never done drugs, like legitimately, like I'm, I'm not lying here. <laughs> I've never, ne, it's, no, drugs are not my thing. Okay. So just, we're just, boring. Yeah. Boring. Um, I've never done <laughs> drugs. Um, but I, the natural like adrenaline, like high and rush you get of doing improv and like, especially when it's a good, improv show there's now there's bad improv out there there's sure, real bad totally. improv but the um it's there's nothing like it and it is mm. especially when you're on a team that um so like I, I mean i like i said i did it for years and um and i love the principles of improv like the main principle of improv is this is this philosophy of yes and and it's mm. this idea of unconditional support and knowing that the people that are on stage with you have your back 100% and Ugh. that you are for each other and not against each other because if you're against each other, then you're not going to have a good show. But if you are in agreement with one another of whatever is in front of us is now the new reality that we are facing mm-hmm. and we're facing it together, then you know that you can be successful. And and, and I just love that philosophy for life and knowing yeah. that the people that you're like in a team with, and it, that's not to say that you don't ever say no. It's just this sure. idea of um, like, for example, and this is always the extreme a uh, silly example that I will give. Like, you know, if you were to come on stage and you were to say, like, you're a dinosaur, and then you would say, no, I'm not. Like, 
the scene's over. Like we can do nothing with that. But if you agree, okay, I'm now a dinosaur, then we Mm -hmm. can move forward. And so um, that's a very silly example, but that's what I love so much about it. And so I, I, I loved that. And also improv taught me a lot about communication. It taught me about active listening because you can't have a good show if you're not listening. So you need to be an active listener. You need to be somebody who is really paying attention to little details. Um, because you know, you might, somebody might say something that's very like a a kind of a quote unquote throwaway line, but then that turns into being something that is like a beautiful gift in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, somebody uses like a brief, like weird mispronunciation of a word and like, who knows that could be like, a really funny thing you explore. Yeah. So anyway, so it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but you know, then I, over the years that I, I was able to, I created a, or I didn't create it, but we created, my friends and I created an improv team. And so to then do improv, like with my best friends and a lot of them I went to college with, it just was, oh, it was so much fun. I really miss doing it. I don't do it anymore. Um, but it taught me so much and has carried over, um, into so many aspects of my life. That's cool. I was going to say that whole philosophy sounds like marriage therapy or something. Oh yeah. Like like, like you should do this with your partner. Yeah. hundred percent. And I tell people too, like if you are in any kind of, if you're in sales, take an improv Mm. class. Like I'm, I'm not kidding. If you are in sales of any kind, take an improv class. If you are a teacher, take an improv class. Like even just find a local improv 101 class at like some random theater or something um, or a community center. Um, It's so vital to have those skills because you can apply those skills in so many different areas. And so Mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, I tell people like sales uh, and then communicators, Mm -hmm. people who interview, just saying people who interview, um, speakers, because if you do any kind of like public speaking, being able to, uh, do, you know, change your mind on the fly or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, highly recommend. Mm, Note to self. That's a good one. Okay. That's interesting. So, okay. I've already like given it away. Your fun fact is that like you were a comedian, but why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. Even though we're 10 minutes in. No, it's cool. Um, yeah. So my, my name is Molly Stillman and, um, I am a creator. I'm a content creator and writer, podcaster. So my, I started a blog back when I was in college. Um, so I've been blogging for like almost 20 years. Wow. Um, writing in some form or fashion. And I started my podcast in the summer of 2016. Mm. So coming up on the seventh birthday of that. And I am married to John. We've been married for 11 years, been together for 13. We have two beautiful children here on earth, Lillian and Amos. And we live on a farm in the middle of North Carolina. So it's, uh, and I have a book coming out next spring, which like feels really cool to say. And I'm, yeah, I'm really, um, I am very grateful. You are so interesting to me. Like, I love that <laughs> intro. Like my husband was like, oh, who are you interviewing today? Like, what's her story? And I was like, I mean, she has a podcast. She has a book coming out. She lives on a farm. She was a comedian. Like I, this, we could go anywhere. I planted a church, you know? Oh my so. goodness. Just, a phenomenal. You know, <laughs> There is so much to it. (laughs) So why did you, I meant to ask you this before. Yeah. What made you change the name of your podcast for Business with Purpose 
and, and now you changed it to, can I laugh on your shoulder? Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's a, there's a longer answer that I actually did an entire podcast episode on, not to like, but there's a pretty long story we to can, it. So yes, the short yes. version of it is, um, I, the short version is I started the podcast six and a half years ago with mm-hmm. the goal of kind of telling stories behind some of the most like purpose-filled brands um, mm-hmm. and ethical and fair trade fashion and, and company product companies, things like that. And I loved it. And I, 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 my goal was to share, you know, kind of the behind the scenes stories of um, people's lives and how people are stewarding their gifts well and how people are stewarding their gifts in a way that honors um, others and serves others and honors the kingdom of God. And, um, but as things just naturally do over the course of six and a half years, there's the show just evolved and it changed Mm -hmm. and not in a bad way at all. I think it's just, if you're always evolving and growing and changing and, um, and I, I got to a point where I had felt pigeonholed by the title yeah, And I, I felt pigeonholed to not be able to do what I actually really wanted to do with it. And I also felt like the name was a hurdle because I think for a lot of okay. people, the name, having business in the name made them think that it was a show about business, which that really yeah. wasn't the case and never really was the case. Um, it was a people, it was a story. It's a, it's a show about people and stories yeah. and um, humanizing ourselves and um, humanizing one another and seeing one another. And um in the good and the bad and the hard. And yeah. So I, I, I just knew that it wasn't, the name didn't match what it was anymore. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I wanted to change the name like almost three years ago and I didn't. And Mm -hmm. I just was like, it's hard. Yeah. It was was a lot of work and it's, I was afraid. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so finally I just got over myself. (laughs) I, uh, I was like, all right, you know what, with the book coming out next year. And I was, I had approached, uh, you know, 350 episodes. And I just was like, I, you know what, it's time. So I did it Mm -hmm. and and I regret not doing it sooner. Totally. But I mean, look, it, everything has a purpose and a time and a meaning behind it. But seven years of podcasting, you're kind of like an OG. Which it's funny because it doesn't feel like it, but then I guess in some ways it is. Um, And it's funny because I used to, I actually even did a podcast back in like, the late uh 2000s like uh, like oh, 08 yeah, yeah. 09 but yeah, yeah. no one knew what a podcast was then so i gave that up no. um but i worked in radio so i have a background working in radio and so i always liked the medium of mm. audio communication yeah. and so for a couple of years i had talked about starting a podcast and doing a podcast and just never took action. And finally, I think it was like late 2015. My husband was like, oh my gosh, stop talking about it and do it. So, my husband did the same thing to me. He was like, I'm buying you a mic because you're never going to do it by yourself. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. So you live on a farm mm-hmm. as in like we have a few chickens or we live off of our farm? Uh, so the goal is to eventually get to the point where we are primarily living off of what we eat and what we, or what we grow and what we raise. Um, mm-hmm. we are, we're, we're on our way. Um, we are not, it, it, it is a process. We've been physically oh, totally. living here two years. Um, we bought the farm at the end of 2020, took okay. about 
three, four months to do some renovations mm-hmm. on the house itself. Um, and then we moved in in March of 2021. And so we've been living here, you know, a little over two years now. Um, but we, you know, so we have a lot of chickens, um, more than I could possibly count. Um, we have ducks, we have guinea fowl, we have goats, oh, we wow. have um, bees, um, Ooh. so two hives uh, for our own honey. Um, we have a very large garden, berry patch, fruit trees, um, walnut trees, and then uh, we have barn cats and dog, like you know, livestock guardian dogs. Wow. Um, and then we also raise our own um, chickens for meat. So we have egg laying okay. chickens, but then we also have our own chickens for meat. We also do turkeys. It's just not turkey season right now. Okay. Um, our turkeys are currently in our freezer. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we. Um, but right now we currently have eighty. I'm looking outside at our chicken tractor. I think we have like 84 um, meat birds, meat chickens right now. Um, wow. Okay. Will... So is a meat chicken different than an egg? It lane? is. It okay. Is. Yeah. Is that a dumb question? No, it's not a dumb question because I would not have known. And it's okay. really interesting. And I could I could do a whole podcast on this. Um, on the general like agricultural and agrarian knowledge that we've lost in like one generation. Mm-hmm. Um, like th- things that would have been to our grandparents' generation, com- you know, common knowledge just isn't anymore. We've, we're really, and I, I will not get on my soapbox, but we are very disconnected from our food and we are very disconnected yeah. with how things are grown and how things are raised and all those kinds of things. So, um, so can you eat an egg laying chicken? Yes, absolutely. It is just not going to be great. Like, it's just not going to be very good. Um, like, we have some roosters who have needed to go to the freeze, freezer camp, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> we have a, a few a few roosters who, um, and they're just, their meat's a lot tougher. It's just okay. not as, so usually, sorry for any vegans that are listening there. <laughs> sorry, guys. I, let, sorry. Really, I almost was going to tell you, like, I'm a vegan. I'm really JK, sorry. JK, 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 JK. No. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so uh, with our roosters, usually what I do is I just put them in the instant pot and shred the meat because it's just so tough. It anyway. Could, it could sit in like juices. Yeah. 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 So um, now there are a couple different breeds of meat chickens. Um, mm-hmm. So you have, essentially what you have is two types of chickens. You have um, what are called heritage breeds, and those are the like kind of fancier. And those tend to be your egg-laying chickens. Um, and you can, uh, I mean, again, you can, some heritage breeds are heritage meat breeds, but then there are others that are like, they're just, they're bred for meat. Um, mm-hmm. So we raise a kind of chicken called Cornish crosses. Um, and for perspective, like we get them as chicks and within eight weeks, they're ready for butchering or harvesting. So they grow and it's not like anything. It's just the way God designed them. Like they just are bred to grow. They they grow super fast and, um, but they're going to be much more of a like the kind of chicken you would get at, you know, like a rotisserie chicken from, from Costco is going to be like a meat chicken. Um, or, you know, the kind of cuts you get when you go to, you know, buy some chicken breast from the store. Like, it's going to be that kind. Um, okay. But we, you know, our whole philosophy is, because a lot, the question I get a lot is, how could you possibly eat or, you know, butcher or harvest yourself, like, this animal that you've raised? And the short answer I have for that is because we feel called to. And mm. and it's, 
we feel very strongly that, um, I mean, we are not vegans. I know if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, like that is more power to you. We are not. I love the meat. I give me the meat. Me too. Um, Me too. But you know, and it's, it's a conversation we've had with our kids of, you know, your food comes from somewhere. (laughs) And so we, we love Chick-fil-A in our house. Okay. We love Chick-fil-A. Yep. Those chickens were real. That meat is real chicken and it was raised and it was hatched. Someone raised them. Someone raised it and it probably didn't live a great life. Like it probably didn't, you know, eat grass and bugs and it probably didn't get a lot of sunlight. It probably spent most of its life inside in a cage, Mm. um, eating grain, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to not eat Chick-fil-A, but at the end right. of the day, if if I can, however I can best do it, I'm going to steward what I can well. And mm. so we know that our chickens, we have, we have raised our chickens from birth all the way till the final day of their life. And the, mm. they live a fantastic life. They totally. are on fresh grass every single day. They mm-hmm. get the best hot organic feed to supplement Mm -hmm. what they can't get from grass and bugs. They get sunlight, they get fresh water, you know, they get a phenomenal life and they've one really bad day. (laughs) And and we do it very humanely. I won't go into the details of how, how we do it. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's incredibly humane. Um, Mm -hmm. and we honor and we, we honor the life of the the animal that we believe God gave us to be able to feed our family. And it makes Mm -hmm our kids, it makes us more thankful for the food that we have. And, um, and so we, like I said, we raise our own turkeys as well. We're hoping this year to add pork. Um, we, we do not do cattle and we won't, um, mainly because of the size of the land we have, um, Mm. and the amount of work that beef cattle are, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, We just don't have the infrastructure for it, but a mile and a half down the road is a local cattle farm that has been there okay. since the mid 1800s. And I've made friends with the, the farmer yeah. there. And so I buy beef from him. And so I drive every single day past the farm and past the cows that will one day feed my family. And I know the grass that they've eaten and I know the sunshine that they've, you yeah. know, the, the lives that they've lived. And so that's the thing is, is we just want to be more connected to our food. We want to know our farmers. We want to know where our food comes from. And so, Yeah. So anyway, but we have a greenhouse. We have all of it. So we're, we're working in that direction to eventually be a little bit more self-sustaining. Wow. I love that. Two things. So one, is this, obviously we know you have a ton of things that you do work-wise. Is this your husband's full-time gig? No, it's neither oh. of our full-time gigs. No. How do you have time to do all of this? Uh, we don't watch TV really ever. <laughs> oh. Well, it's funny. Yeah. We just, we do I mean... Uh, we have like maybe one or two shows that we will watch. Um, but we, we joke a lot about like, what did we used to do before Mm. we had like a farm and kids? Like, what did we do with all that time (laughs) and money? Like, Scott and I talk about that all the time about the kids. It's expensive. Okay. Farming is not cheap. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's a sacrifice and we do that intentionally. Like we're, we're not taking lavish vacations and, um, this is where our time and our efforts go, uh, really. And, um, so it's a, it's a lot of work and it involves a lot of sacrifice. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, our free time is in the, you know, because it's, and it, the farm never rests. The farm doesn't sleep. So every single morning mm-hmm. we get the kids on the bus and, you know, we're doing morning chores. We're feeding the animals. We're, you know, you know, collecting eggs and all that kind of stuff. And then the, in the evening, you know, same thing. We're moving chicken tractors. We're mm-hmm. filling up waters and we're, you know, 
check and feed and, you know, check in the wow. garden and all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't, it doesn't rest. Um, mm-hmm. and it just makes it harder to like go out of town because <laughs> you have to have sure. somebody come stay here. And, um, yeah. And so our free time, there is not a lot of free time. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's a choice that we make and, mm-hmm. um, and we really like it. And, you know, yeah, th- this is not my husband's full-time job, although I, he probably wishes it would be. Um, mm-hmm. I think eventually he'd like to get to that point. Sure. Um, but, you know, especially if there's big farm projects, we will have to, we block off like time on the calendar mm-hmm. to be able to, to do that. And, um, yeah. So, <laughs> to so if someone's question. listening to this, well, me, okay. Like that's yeah. like, okay, I'm not really animal lover in that way. Like I'm not gonna probably, yeah, I, mean, I doubt that's my journey. So no, like, get not, a it's farm, not for everyone. Right. Like it's probably not me. I'm a Jersey girl. But if I am really like impacted by what you're saying, like I, you're right. Like I want to be more connected to my food and things like that. What's the, what's my best option? Like find a local small farm and buy from them. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that is always, yeah, this life is not for everyone. And I'll tell you, it is not for the faint of heart. You get used to death real quick. Stuff dies uh, a lot. So much death. Um, and it's and it's hard. And sometimes you have to make decisions where you're, you know, that you don't want to have to make. And um, and and rain, shine, cold, mm-hmm. freezing, snow, like all of it. You, you know, yeah. you're out there and you're doing stuff. So no, it is not everyone's journey. Um, but my my biggest thing is I always say local farmers markets. You're gonna mm. have you probably have a farmers market near you. Um totally. so supporting local farmers, going to your farmers market, um, d- and developing relationships with those farmers. Um, if you are like, uh, that seems like a lot of work and I don't want to go to a farmer's market, um, a lot of areas, and this just might require some Googling, will have a CSA. Um, and it's called, I forget even what CSA even stands for. Um, so forgive me. I don't even remember what CSA <laughs> stands fine. for. Something <laughs> consumer, something agriculture. I don't know. CSA. Cool. And uh, so you could Google like CSA delivery or CSA mm. boxes. And so in our area. Oh, no, I know what that is. There's a ton of. Yes. And basically what these CSAs do is they partner with local farms and then you get a delivery to your doorstep of things from your local farms. And so that's delivered. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different ones. There's probably two Mm -hmm. or three just here in the, the, you know, North central North Carolina area, but Mm -hmm. they're all over. So you could just do some Googling and see if there's a a CSA delivery. Um, And, or if there's, I mean, there's, local Facebook groups and just say like, Hey, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you get eggs, like reach out and see if, does anybody have backyard chickens that has an abundance of eggs? I could buy some eggs off of you or, um, yeah. Or you drive by that cattle farm that's like randomly around you and you just like pay attention to the name of it and reach out Mm -hmm. to the farmer and say, Hey, I'd love to support you and buy some of your beef or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. so it does take work and it is not like, as easy as just like running down to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, although some grocery stores too now, like my local food lion has a local farm section where they'll have produce oh. from local farms. So some grocery stores might. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so just being more intentional in how you are connected with with the people around you who are doing it. Because I guarantee mm-hmm. whether you live in Manhattan or mm-hmm. the most rural part of Alabama. Like mm-hmm. there are farmers around you and, you know, and yeah. you can find, you can find um, resources. 
That is very interesting. Thank you. That's very informative because yeah. like we actually, like I grew up in like more central Jersey, whatever. We moved more West in Jersey, yeah. but you'd be surprised how many farms there oh. are around here. Everywhere. It's very farmy. And so I'm slowly becoming aware of more of this. Like a lot of my friends have chickens and they're like, why are you buying eggs at Walmart? Right. Like, hello. Right. And it's like, oh yeah. You know, yeah. like the, I, this is not that hard in this town. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it's amazing how when you get outside of a big city, how mm-hmm. quickly you're like, oh, most of America is actually pretty rural. <laughs> like mm-hmm. most of America, like there are guys, whether you know it or not, there are rednecks in Vermont. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> they, Vermont, got, there. Vermont got rednecks. Okay. So they, <laughs> they are there and it is okay. Like if, that is, but that's, I think the beauty of America. I mean, and, yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Totally. Oh man. Well, I love that. That's awesome. I have so much respect for you guys. I think that's really <laughs> well, thanks. cool. Thanks. Yeah. Honestly. It's, it's really, it's really fun. We've learned a lot. Our kids have learned a lot. That's been, um, that's been really uh, a cool journey too, just to see how much in two years my kids have learned and mm-hmm. the appreciation they have for it. I mean, I remember the first like week we lived here and my daughter was horrified that I had scared a deer away from our berry patch. Oh my god! Because like I, there was a deer eating our berry bushes. Yeah, and I was like, like get I, out of here. I literally walked outside. I was just like, wow, like get, trying to get it off. And my daughter was so mad at me for scaring oh. this deer away. Oh my god! And now two years later, like she helped my husband harvest one of the deer that he was able to shoot off of our back deck. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like, it's yeah. all good. And she sees now. It's like I don't, I don't, and I, I'll be honest. The the ven- like the hunting is not my, but at the same time once again, we honor the life of the animal mm-hmm. that has now been able to, you know, we have 140 pounds of venison in our freezer that is able to feed yeah. our family. And that is, totally. you know, it just took sweat equity um, mm-hmm. and, a, and a vacuum sealer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I realize, and I, and I also honor, and I will say, I know that there's going to be somebody listening who is just like horrified by this. Sure. Um, but the thing I challenge people with is because, you know, you would, I'm sure you understand that the, the people on the internet love to share their opinions about some of the mm. things that we do. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, the thing I challenge people with is uh, your grandparents' generation, our grandparents' mm-hmm. generation. Like we are not that far removed from two, three generations ago where everyone raised and grew their own food and everyone was connected to their their uh their food sources and their the food systems and it's really been within the last you know 100 to 200 years that people have begun to move to cities and food has mm-hmm. become more industrialized but even then that's like very very recent so in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of human existence however old you think the earth is like mm-hmm. we have got you know whether you want to agree with it or not like god created these plants and these animals to feed us mm-hmm. and so you know if we are co- more connected than we are honoring the creation mm-hmm. that has been given to us um to to sustain us and and to you know I'm I'm not saying I don't eat Girl Scout cookies and oh sure you know yeah. processed cereal and things like that I do yeah. um but it's it's so interesting how people be like oh are you on a diet when you're eating like a salad and uh, chicken and I'm like that's yeah. the food that that's food yeah. it's, it's just, just food, food. yeah <laughs> just food. exactly <laughs> you yes. know what I mean no I'm not on a diet I'm eating food so, absolutely anyway clearly I have thoughts on this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is very interesting to me. And I know that you, like, we could literally talk for 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. 
on your blog, it's like there's all this stuff also about ethical fashion, clean beauty, like Which there's all, a lot there. all connected. It's all yes, connected for me. Exactly. So people go to her blog. It's very interesting. I like got lost in it. I really did. And I was like loving it. But something that I did notice in your blog is um, you had a recent entry about grief. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm no stranger to grief. And I was really struck by your opening line. I'm just going to read it to you. It said, people ask you a lot about your grief journey because you had lost your mother mm-hmm. about 20 years ago. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And you said, people ask you, does it get easier as the years go by? And the answer is no, but also yes, and definitely not. And for sure it does. And not in the slightest. And sometimes. The answer is, it depends. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love your writing style. Thank you. But second of all, I just, I love the truth in that. Yeah. Where it's like, I understood what you meant 100%. Like, does it get easier? Yeah. And actually, it also gets harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's It just changes. Grief is not linear. Mm-hmm. Grief, uh, yeah, there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And um, yeah, it, you know, I, so I, I, like you said, I did, I lost my mom in the fall of 2002. And uh, for many years, I didn't grieve. I just uh, shut down and I didn't process the grief. And um, so I've been on a new grief journey <laughs> in the last mm-hmm. few years. Um, like I'd never gone to therapy or anything, um, especially even during her illness. So she was sick for a really long time. She was sick for eight years before she died. And, um, so she had a chronic illness and, um, uh, yeah, I never processed any of it. I didn't know the depth of how ill she was. Mm-hmm. And her death was very traumatic. Not that any death isn't, um, mm-hmm. but it was very, it was just very traumatic. It was very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never dealt with it. And it wasn't until 2018. I also just for for in um just for some context, I wasn't uh, a Christian at a time. I wasn't, I wasn't following the Lord at the time. And I didn't come to faith until I was 25. Mm-hmm. So my mom died when I was 17. I didn't come to faith till I was 25. And then um, in 2018, my husband and I experienced two um, pregnancy losses in the second trimester of <sighs> pregnancy. Um, so I was uh, almost 17 weeks with my son, Elijah. And then I was, uh, about the same with our son, Malachi. And that was, and I lost Elijah in February and Malachi in June. And, um, and so that was when I finally went to therapy Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I went to therapy for the very first time. And I sat down with my counselor and I started to unpack everything and I realized I had like 20 years of pent up grief that I had never dealt with that was now having to be dealt with. So she was totally. like, I think we need to start at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. I think we're going to back it we're up. We're going to back it up a little bit um, mm-hmm. because I think I had realized in grieving the loss of my sons, like that I had not grieved the loss of my mother um, mm-hmm. in a, in the way I needed to. And then even then, like it's, it's a continuing process. Like, through writing this built book, like much of the the story of the book is is 
the story of being my mother's daughter. And, um, you know, she, she lived a really unique and remarkable life. She was a army nurse in Vietnam and (sighs) she, she wrote a memoir, um, called home before morning, which came out in 1983. And, um, it was uh, a bestselling book at the time. And it, um, it inspired loosely, very loosely inspired the show China Beach, which was very popular in the late 80s. Wow. Um, And, uh, but she, it was very controversial because it was the very first nonfiction account of war from the perspective of a woman. And it was very controversial and she received a lot of hate for it. And, um, you know, so I I grew up this, you know, her daughter and I watched all of this and then her illness was due to her exposure to Agent Orange when she was in Vietnam. So it was a very rare illness um, that nobody really knew how to treat because, you know, nobody knows how to treat an Agent Orange disease at the time. And um, so the story of of my book is a lot, has a lot to do with her and a lot to do with her life and her legacy and, um, and her illness and her death and the impact it had on me. And, um, but it it wasn't until I sat down to write this book and write the story that, you know, I then sat down with my dad and I started to ask questions that I had never, I didn't know the answer to. Mm. And so I was asking questions and learning information that I should have asked 20 years ago. Or I should have known 20 years ago. And in high, you know, high, you have the benefit of hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. 20. Sure. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I didn't ask them at the time because I didn't know to ask them. But in asking these questions and learning a lot of the things that I'm learning and have learned through writing, uh, I've had to regrieve. Mm. And I've had to process new information that I didn't have 20 years ago. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, little simple things, uh, simple, that's a complicated word. Mm-hmm. Um, but little things like what, when my mother first got ill was in the fall of 94. And uh, when we finally got a, a diagnosis, quote unquote, of sorts in the spring of 95, she was given a maximum of two years to live. Um, and I never knew that. I had no idea. Oh. And my parents kept that from me. Um, you know, and I, I don't judge them for any of the decisions that they made. Uh, you know, and so in a lot of ways, like my dad was grieving my mother for eight years. Like she got eight years. She was supposed to live two when she got eight. And so mm-hmm. my dad slowly grieved over the course of eight years. And so, but for me, when she died, it was sudden. Yeah, right. Because I didn't I didn't know that she was hmm. that her death was imminent. Um wow. and even like and I won't go into the details, a lot of the details are in the book, but the um, you know, even like the week that she died, the night she died, um, some of the things that I learned, you know, in talking to my dad about that week and that night, and and I had never had those conversations with him because after mm. she died, we just didn't talk about it. Mm. We didn't. I think my dad didn't really know how to talk about it with me. I was 17 and now he's like a single dad to a 17 year old who's about to go off to college. Yeah. Like he didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the Are you an only th- child. No, I have an older sister. Um, but she's, uh, almost 11 years older. Oh wow. And so she wasn't, you know, she wasn't living totally at home and, not at home. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she's my half sister. Um, mm-hmm. 
so it just, you know, anyway, it's, it was, yeah. So I, you know, I've, I've now learned things in the last year that I had, I never knew. So mm. I had to process a lot of that. Um, and things, yeah. and even some of the things my dad shared that are far too tender for me to ever write about, but things that he's now been able to share with me and open up. Mm. Um, yeah, we had back in September, I had a writing retreat and he and I talked for like, I don't even know, like four hours. And mm. after I got off the phone with him, I just cried and I cried and cried and cried and cried. And I cried. I called my husband and I said, I just feel like I'm, I lost her all over again. Mm. So, um, that was a very long-winded answer to answer your question of grief is not linear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's no. going to be, and it's going to look different for everybody. And there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's acknowledging that, that it is a process. And then, mm-hmm. but it's also, I do believe, well, I guess I should say there's no, there is a wrong way to grieve. Mm-hmm. And that is to not. Right. And to to not deal with it. Like I did, because I, I didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm for a long time. And then eventually, guess what? It will catch up with you and you have to deal with it at some point. Mm -hmm. So you're, you've stepped into being a mother without your mom. Mm -hmm. And also you've lost children Mm -hmm. without your mom. Mm -hmm. What, how do you feel like that's impacted your experience? Mm. Oh man. Um, yeah, that was another like new area of grief. Um, like my, you know, and people always say like, oh, like the big things, like my wedding day. Like, yes, of course I missed my mom on my wedding day. Sure. Of course I did. Um, and of course I missed my mom being there when my daughter was born. Um, but I remember the very first time I really cried after my daughter was born. It was a night where she wasn't sleeping. I'd had a C-section. I was still recovering. I was in all this pain. I, you know, my boobs hurt, like everything hurt. My daughter's not sleeping. My, my husband was in the next room sleeping soundly. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning and I was just, I just wanted to pick up the phone. I wanted to call my mom so badly. I just wanted to call her and I just wanted to ask her like, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. like I wanted motherly advice. I didn't want to call mm-hmm. my dad. I didn't want to call my mother-in-law. I didn't want to call right. my sister. I wanted to call my mom. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to my mom. You know, sometimes like, I don't care how old you are. Sometimes you need your mama. Like I needed my totally. mama and I couldn't call her. And that was like this moment of being really, uh, really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a couple other instances like that. And like I said, it's, it's it would always be random. Um, or just wishing I could, you know, call her, you know, and ask her a question or just, especially as my daughter's nine now and um, I'm getting all the questions about bodies and body changes mm-hmm. and all those things. And I'm not afraid to answer them, but there are times where I'm like, gosh, I wish I could call my mom right now and be like, how do I answer this? You know, how do mm-hmm. I answer this question? Totally. Um, you know, and uh, yeah. And then when we experienced uh, the loss of our sons, absolutely. I just, mm-hmm. you know, my mom, my mom was a nurse too. So I think that that's right. part of, she had this uncanny ability to be compassionate and empathetic and caring. And she was a natural caretaker. I mean, all nurses are, but she just Mm -hmm. really, she really had that spiritual gift, which I believe is a spiritual gift. Not everybody has it. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, like sick days in my house were, you know, chef's kiss because Mm -hmm. nurse mama was, was, she knew what to do. And so, Yeah. uh, yeah. So I missed, you know, not being able to have her there by my Mm -hmm. side. Um, 
so yeah, it's it it is uh that has been you know, navigating motherhood without a mom is, is really challenging. And I understand that that's the case too, for even women who've grown up and have maybe estranged or strained relationships with their mom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Totally. Now, so you have the unique experience of you lost your mom when you were pretty young Mm -hmm. at a pivotal age, you Mm know, and then years later losing two sons back to back like that Mm -hmm. through pregnancy and second trimester. I mean, that's very complicated because I think that, and this is, it's talked about a lot more now, but you know, for a long time, people would have miscarriages and never tell anybody, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And now it's finally like talked about a little bit more, but the trauma that you experienced, I'm sure is, greater than we can even put words to, you know? What, how did you make peace with that? Mm. How did you, in counseling, work through it? Because that's something people, it's, that's incredibly traumatizing for people. Yeah. And also hard to talk about sometimes. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, a couple, well, a couple of things. One, um, you know, yeah, it is much more common. We were in a really unique and strange situation with ours because, like, we'd announced that we were pregnant. I mean, I was well into the second trimester, and I was, of course, and they were like third and fourth pregnancy. So, like, I was, yeah, I, I was showing like a lot. Of course. I looked like six months pregnant. Totally. Um, and, and then when I lost Elijah, like I got pregnant right away, mm-hmm. um, which was not on purpose. Um, that was <laughs> apparently just FYI, anybody, apparently your body is just like goes into super, super fertile eggs. You get super <laughs> fertile. I had no idea. Um, anyway, we won't go into the gruesome details of that, oh. but needless to say, it was, uh, I was a bit shocked. Um, I did not know that that was going to be the case. Um, anyway, love that journey for me. Um, so it, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, and, and I, you know, we had our, we, maybe some people feel uncomfortable hearing this, but we chose to have our sons cremated. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, uh, that was two funeral home visits, um, that you just Mm -hmm. don't, uh, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting was because when we lost Malachi, our second son, um, we went back to the same funeral home mm-hmm. to have the same procedure done, you know, the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the woman, I mean, we'd just been there like five, six months earlier. Yeah. And so she was like, you know, you're, wait, what? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she even, but I mean, through it all, and I don't say this to sound, um, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know how to properly articulate this. Um, but you said, how did I do it? And that is the, the true 100% honest answer is the strength of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is not, uh, platitudes. Um, that is a hundred, I, a hundred percent. It is because God brought us through it. Um, and I realize that that for some people that might be like, sound woo-woo and crazy. Um, and I could tell you uh, story after story of God's very specific divine hand in all of it. Um, mm-hmm. And things that are not coincidence and not um, 
I can't, I can't explain other than God was with us in every step of it. And, mm-hmm. and I heard very clearly after we lost mm-hmm. Elijah, I had heard very, you know, not in the audible sense of the like booming voice from heaven, like coming down and saying like, Molly, it wasn't that. But in the clearest way that I could have possibly ever heard, I heard mm-hmm. God say, you have two choices here. You can blame me. You can blame X, Y, and Z. You can blame your circumstances. You can be angry. You can run from me, you know, all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You can make that choice. Mm -hmm. Or the other choice is you can trust me. You can place your hope in me. Um, You can run towards me. And to know that I also lost my son. Mm. And I... And I am with you in this pain and I am with you in this moment and I see your tears and I see your struggle. And so are you going to lean into that or are you going to run the opposite direction? And, and I, so I, I was at this crossroads and I, but the thing is, is that like after the loss of my mom, that's what I, 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 I picked door number one. Sure. And door number one <laughs> landed me uh, depressed, mm-hmm. uh, suicidal, in $36,000 of consumer credit card debt mm. um, at at the not even rock bottom. I was, you know, mm-hmm. 30,000 leagues underneath of the sea. Like I was, you know, yeah. so I, I did that. <laughs> and I don't want to end up back there. Mm-hmm. And so I chose door number two. Mm-hmm. And door number two, I would say, while I zero stars do not recommend any of that season whatsoever, would not wish it on my worst enemy, Mm-hmm. That year and that time taught me more about faith and um, trust and peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding mm-hmm. that comes right out of the book of Philippians, um, more than, you know, anything else would have. Mm-hmm. Um, pain and sorrow and tribulation is a much greater teacher than blessing is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so uh yeah, I, and so I while I would not want to go through that again, mm-hmm. um I would if I had to, in order to get to where I am now because where mm-hmm. I am now is in a much better and a much different place had I not experienced that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like exci- I'm not it, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't great. Sure. I hated it. Um but anything in life that grows us and changes us is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It is. It just is. Absolutely. I know that you wrote a lot about how to like support someone after a pregnancy loss. Obviously, I think literally your blog has 100. Yeah, ideas. I did. Like, I, I did. Think I wrote like, a whole thing. I wrote a whole So I'm whole not thing. asking you to say no, yeah. 100 things right now, but could you give us like a brief summary of like what are some ways that you could step in for a friend? Yeah, I think the number one thing that I can say is the thing don't. Mm-hmm. is don't text them and say, what do you need? Yeah. Because yes. I guarantee you, they don't know. Right. Um, I guarantee you, they don't know. Um, mm. So uh, for me, and, and I realize this might be different for everybody, but for me, the most practical things that were the most helpful were things like meal trains, um, mm-hmm. gift cards for groceries like mm-hmm. Instacart or yeah. Grubhub or DoorDash. Like, those kinds of practice. Cause in the months after, like I, and I love to cook 
I didn't even want to think about making food. Like I needed yeah. one mental thing off of my plate. It takes up so much brain space, food. So much brain space. Yeah. Um, the other thing was uh, a couple of friends had hired a house cleaner, oh, um, nice. which was such a gift because I didn't want to vacuum. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to clean course. my bathrooms. Um, so that was like things like that. Like our, our friends, you know, pooled their money together and got us a house cleaner mm-hmm. for a couple months. And then, or friends that brought meals or snacks. Mm-hmm. Like I had one friend and this, this truly was like one of the best things. She went to Trader Joe's and she literally got two like massive, you know, bags, like Trader Joe's mm-hmm. grocery bags and just filled it up with all of her favorite Trader Joe's stuff. Mm-hmm. So like all her favorite snacks and yeah. like, you know, hand lotion and mm-hmm. all her favorite Trader Joe's goods and just brought them to my house. And so it was like a Trader Joe's care package with like fresh love flowers, yeah. things like that. Um, I really loved that. Um, so little things like that was just people showing up. Um, and also the other thing too, is giving the person the freedom to say no. So like to mm. the freedom to like, just, just take it and drop it off at the, their doorstep. Cause I didn't want to see anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I love my friends. I did not want to be around people. And so I didn't totally. want to have to like make small talk. I didn't want to have to stand at the door and be put like, a bra on. put a bra on. I didn't want to have to stand there when people go, how are you? Is there yeah. anything else I can do? Like, no, totally. I didn't want that. Yeah. And so most of this was either emailed like gift cards mm-hmm. or just dropped off on my front porch. And people would say, mm-hmm. this is on your front porch love and not you. expecting yeah. anything in return. Yes. That was the other thing too. Like I didn't have the mental energy to send a thank you note. Oh gosh, I just needed my friends to know. So hard. I just needed my friends to know, like I love you and I and thank you for this. I thank you. Like yes. I thank you, and that's all I've got, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that those things can apply to anybody who's grieving, mm-hmm. um, and knowing to the person, you know, who the sure. person is. Um, the other thing that has been really helpful is I have a couple of friends, uh, just a very couple or a very small few, who to this day, every single year on their birthdays, on my son's birthdays, mm-hmm. text me. And say, you know, happy birthday, Elijah, or happy birthday, Malachi. That's literally all they do. But that Mm -hmm. is to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. because of course I'm thinking about it. Of course. Um, So little things like that, or on my my mom's birthday, or the day that my, the anniversary of my mom dying. um, Like there are a couple people in my life who will say something. And Mm -hmm. all it is is a text message. But that is so powerful and Mm -hmm. really, really helpful to Mm -hmm. be able to know that there's somebody else who remembers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those would be my top, my top things. Yeah. What do you feel like grieving looks like for you today? Like how do you grieve your mom and your sons today, years out from it? Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's not linear and it changes mm-hmm. from day to yeah. day, from, from year to year. Um, mm-hmm. With my mom, a lot of it has been through the writing of this book. Yeah. Um, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of grieving out loud um, and grieving on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, for my sons, you know, a lot of times like on their birthday with my kids, like we'll go get a donut or a look a mm-hmm. cupcake and we'll, you know, just as like a way to remember um, mm-hmm. them. And we talk, you know, I, I talk about them and, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some people that might be weird, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is like I, I knew them. And mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I felt them kick and I felt them move and I got to, you know, I, I held them in my arms. Um, 
And I saw, you know, I have their fingerprints and I have their Mm -hmm. little footprints. And so I, you know, they were real to me. They were very real. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. They were not these, you know, clumps of cells. They just weren't. They were, Mm -hmm. they were baby, they were baby boys that I got to see and to hold and to carry and to, to know. And Mm -hmm. um, while I never will hear what their laugh sounds like or know what color hair they had, um, you know, we honor, we honor their, their lives. And, and so it, yeah, like I said, it just kind of, it depends, but it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not linear by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that so much. I mean, there's so much to your story and I can't wait to read your book. Thanks. Thanks. Cause we'll get even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, like I said, I was like on a deep dive of your blog (laughs) and I, you know, was looking at the clean beauty stuff and I'm one of those stupid people that's like half in half out of that world. Right. Like I'm like, I am on a clean deodorant journey. Like I've decided I'm doing that. Like that's a whole thing for me. A lot of my skincare is clean, but there's still some stuff I'm like holding on to. And I wanted to ask you, you might not know, is there a such thing as clean, dry shampoo? Yes, but I don't oh. love it as much as my non-clean dry shampoo. Okay, so I, yeah. I use both. Um, okay, yeah. So my clean, dry shampoo, and I genuinely do like it. I think it is a better alternative. Um, so from Primally Pure, I love everything from Primally Pure. I've heard, okay. All of their skincare stuff. So their dry shampoo is good. It is very okay. good. It's just not my favorite. And I right. and I, this is somebody as somebody who I use almost every other Primally Pure thing, and I love mm-hmm. it. But I also really love my um, dry bar, dry, uh, dry shampoo, like the aerosol Totally dry shampoo from from Dry Bar. Um, so that's my favorite, and so that's mm-hmm. my like my probably my one toxic. <laughs> what are the to- do I even want to know how bad dry shampoo like toxic dry shampoo is? I don't know. Whatever. I have no idea. I think I think it's not as bad. I think the biggest thing is fragrance. Um, that's oh, in the dry okay. sh- in the in the aerosol. I mean, at least with dry bar, because dry bar doesn't have like parabens or sulfates or anything like that. Okay, but yeah. uh, but the, it definitely has artificial fragrances, which is not great for you, but whatever. It smells really great. I know. <laughs> and I really like it's... it. But it also works very well. But the uh, honestly, the primarily pure, the, the non-toxic clean one does work well as well. I just like the spray function. Sure. If primarily pure could come out with an aerosol version, which I realize would just like negate that's okayness. That's what I was just going to say. Isn't it just like I think an oxymoron? Like you can't yeah. have a spray that's clean. Right. Is that right? Yes. I think that's it. So, um, yeah, cause it's like a, the primarily pure one comes in like a, almost like a baby powder type. And like, don't you put it on with like a makeup brush? Um, you can, I, okay. for me, I just sprinkle it on and you just kind of rub it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the one for the, uh, the thing that is the pro that's in the pro column for the the primarily pure one is they have a dark locks one. Oh, they have good. Because the dry sham- the dry bar one, it comes out white and in my yeah. dark hair. So I have to put it on at night. Um, totally. But the uh, primarily pure one, they do have a dark locks one and it has cocoa powder in it. Ooh, so I love that. It, uh, so it's, it's brown. Um, okay, good. Because yeah. I've, please, I've sprayed the dry shampoo in my hair and I have very dark hair yeah, and you like, like forgotten to rub it in. Then you have like the big white. Like, One time my dad that? saw me and he was like, what the heck is on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, shoot. Oh. I know, I know. 
So, but yeah, that's that, that would probably be like my one. Other than that, I pretty much use everything non-toxic. Okay. And what did you decide your favorite mascara was? Thrive was Cosmetics. Um, the Thrive They're the Cosmetics, ones with the, the, the liquid, stick. Liquid Lash Extensions is, that's what I'm wearing. It's what I wear every day. I love okay. it so much. So the key is, so my like combo that I love is I use, I heat my eyelash curler with a uh, oh, um, fancy hair dryer. So you, oh. you, know, you don't want to burn your eyes, but you want it to be a little warm. You curl your eyelashes. And then I apply Jane Iredell's Lash Primer. Oh. So Jane Iredell, great, clean beauty brand. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. Just Jane Iredell Lash oh. Primer. Um, it's white. So you put that on. You let that kind of get tacky. And then you put the Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara on. And I do two coats of that. And that is like boom shakalaka. Love it. Love that. Do people say boom shakalaka still? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's my jam. So that's my favorite. I Yeah, I am a mascara junkie. Um, okay, yeah. And so I have tried all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my favorite. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, because for me, if I couldn't use any makeup for the rest of my life, except for one item. Mascara. I would choose mascara maybe concealer for my dark rooms, but I think mascara. Mascara all day, every day. Because it just helps you look more awake. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, if I was like not lazy, I would, I might get like lash extensions or something so that I don't have to wear mascara. I I also really want to get my eyebrows microbladed, but that's another thing that I don't have time or money to do. (laughs) Literally, the only reason that I don't get the lash extensions is just because I've heard like once you go in, you like can't go back. You can't stop. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not into that kind of commitment. I mean, yes. I didn't color my hair for the very first time until I was 36. Oh. So, and now I'm like in, uh, now of I'm course. in. Now I got to keep course. going. Um, now mm-hmm. I love it. So I'm going to keep doing it, but it's, it's expensive. And then you got to go yes. back in every, you know, couple months and it's freaking um, annoying. But I, I'd never colored my hair before, before I was 36. And then oh, wow. uh, so now I'm. But now, but yeah, but now I like look back and I'm like, oh, my hair was so boring before. Now it has dimension <laughs> and opportunity. Life. Yeah. 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 I know. And it's like, I'm the same as you. I'm so cheap. I went gray, not like all gray, but the point is, I started having visible gray hair yeah. young in my 20s. Yeah. So now I'm like on that monthly subscription to Madison Reed and I have to like do my gray cover. And it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, if I add to that, eyelashes no and pass all these uh, i just pass. i don't care quite enough yeah pass you pass. know it's yeah. annoying <laughs> anyway all right so we end by always asking what is your favorite snack right now and i know you're a foodie because you have burrito stuff mm-hmm. all over your website i know okay uh oh man i do love snacks um so my favorite snack right now is not a healthy one. So whatever. it doesn't have to be. Um, they're the salt and pepper triscuits, the black pepper triscuits. triscuits with Palmetto's pimento cheese. Oh, so the Palmetto okay. brand pimento cheese with the salt and pepper triscuits. Mm. I love triscuits. I don't know jam. if I've had a salt and pepper one. Yeah, I, I think it's called salt and black pepper. It's, okay. it's they're like there's a couple different flavors of the triscuits. It's the not the original triscuit. It's like a 
of yeah, flavor. It's something and black pepper. I want to say it's just salt and black pepper. Okay. But anyway, they're so good with Palmetto brand pimento cheese. I also just I love, love pimento cheese. And so I love all cheese. I know. But Palmetto's pimento cheese, if you know, you know. It is mm-hmm. so good. And with those salt and pepper triscuits are my favorite. Now, if I had a healthy snack, I love um cucumbers and hummus. I can eat, I can put back an entire cucumber and an entire container of hummus. Me too. I love hummus. Love it. The the roasted garlic, or I mm-hmm. just got a supremely spicy hummus that is very good. Sabra. Yes, the su- Sabra so supremely good. spicy hummus. And I I could eat, I could eat that entire container. It's so easy. I love hummus. I can't get my kids to like hummus. And it makes me mad because I'm like, this would be such a healthy dip. Like, yeah. I wish that you guys would eat hummus. They won't do it. Yeah. Mine, like uh, the chocolate hummus. The, like, I love the chocolate I know, <laughs> I know. Strawberries and chocolate hummus. Yeah, it's so good. I actually have made my own Um that is really good. It's super easy to make. Oh. Um, and you can make your own chocolate hummus using, um, uh, well, you can do, uh, obviously, chickpeas um, and cocoa powder and dates um, oh. or maple syrup. Um, oh, another, that's easy. Another really healthy dip that I love to make sometimes is you take a couple really ripe avocados mm-hmm. and then you do cocoa powder like 100% cocoa powder, like yeah. no sugar added, just like the plain cocoa, cocoa powder um, with dates. So it's literally, and like I think a little bit of maple syrup maybe to like liquid, liquidy sure. it. But you, liquidy it, is that the word? We but it's like we avocado, the um, dates, and uh, the, co- the cocoa yeah. powder. And it, it tastes like chocolate pudding. Like I'm not kidding. You would never know. And it, it's like basically salad. It's like essentially, yeah. it's essentially salad. Like, exactly. I'm like avocado, good. Dates, exactly. Cocoa healthy. bean, cocoa beans come from a exactly. plant. It is basically salad. So this is a salad, a hundred percent. It's a salad. I feel like I'm gonna make that like today. It's really good. It's really really good. I actually have a recipe for it on my blog. It's from oh. a couple of years ago, but I I shared a recipe for it because it's that good. So oh, I think I if you that. go on there in my recipe section and look up uh, like healthy chocolate pudding or something like that, I can't remember what I called it, but it is the, the recipe is on there and it's so good. And then also if you want to add a little crunch, you can get the pure 100% cacao nibs. Oh. So they're like the cocoa bean. So you don't want to eat c- cacao nibs by themselves because they're real bitter because it's yes. that just pure. But if you mix them in, in that like, salad pudding mm-hmm. um it that it, it tastes like chocolate chips. it just gives you some gives like, like crunch that. yes it's very good it tastes like a mm. um like a nest like a nestle crunch bar Ooh, love that yes. love it so good. Oh, i'm gonna do this for sure yes I'm doing this for they're sure. really really good and i'm gonna do my own homemade chocolate hummus because i've actually been having trouble finding chocolate hummus yeah there's a ton of recipes online i don't have one on my blog but you can just google like homemade chocolate yeah. hummus or brownie hummus and it'll be on there there's yeah they're really easy to make it's like a couple ingredients and a I food processor that. that's all you need perfect well this was very useful yeah Oh, Molly, thank you so much for this conversation. You're welcome. You Thanks are for awesome. Having me. This was an amazing first interview back for me. Well, thanks. Yeah, you this made was it very so fun. easy. This was so this fun. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having so me. So we'll link everything in the notes. Yes. Like where your website, your Instagram, your all the things. Yes, yes. And then um, like I said, if it, if this does come out in June, um, I'll let you know. I'll send you the link to pre-order the book. Because I have learned that if you are an author, 
pre-orders you, you are the need, thing. You need pre-orders. Like you got to get the pre-orders. So I will, without shame, be like, please pre-order my book, please. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love it. Thank you so much. You rock. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.